0: train of love is moving slow And I can see the peace pipe burning low You criticize each little thing I do But listen, baby, I've got news for you There's too many chiefs and not enough Indians around this house. Baby i'm tired with this old game we play called Cat and Mouse. If you don't give just a little bit more, we're both going Welcome to
1: another edition of Tales from the East End. We're going to talk about the Limerick game, the Longford game, and look ahead to the massive game with Dundalk on Friday. We've got interviews with con morphy O' mcguire and questions from the East End with Lukey Bourne and Roberto Pico Lopez. I'm Gary Parsons and with my usual co-host is the Prof. Carl Reilly. That was an interesting song choice to open this week's show. I I thought we were company men. Well, it's true. We are company men. And that company is Peachtree East.
2: Hi, Andy Reid here, Ex International, to tell you about the cracking restaurant open in Tallaght. Peach Tree East is just beside the Lewis stop at Tallaght Cross East and is already scoring rave reviews. Open for morning coffee, tasty lunches, exquisite evening dinner and cocktails. Rated number one in TripAdvisor, it's the restaurant Tallaght has been waiting for and the restaurant Dublin deserves. Head to Peach Trees Facebook for more information.
1: Now, before we move into anything else, um, I just want to raise awareness for a friend of mine who is cycling from Malin to Mizen. 640 kilometers for cystic fibrosis now his name is Brian McCarroll and he has cystic fibrosis himself so the cycle as you can imagine will be a little bit tougher and it was set up in memory of Triona Priestley um, you might have seen a video of Ed Sheeran singing to her just before she passed away so Brian has been doing very well lately and he's been taking the drug or canby. so if you would like to donate he has set up a GoFundMe page at GoFundMe.com and then you can find it by typing in Malin to Mizen cycle for CF, it's a worthy cause guys we drew 1-1 with Limerick and it was our first draw of the season, conceding a 90th minute equaliser to their Brazilian striker, Rodrigo Tosi, who uh, did absolutely nothing for 90 minutes. Reminding me of Van Nistro in a way. First, we're going to hear from a couple of fans. We have Hugh O'Connor and Con Morphy. I'm
3: here with Hugh O'Connor just after the one hour draw with Limerick. So,
0: what did you think of that game? Disappointing. I suppose at one level you could say... A draw was the obvious. You know, you want to be cliche. The draw was the fair result, but to lose, concede a goal that late in the game, and it was that obvious that Limerick were stepping up, and we weren't. Put, we were just inviting them on. It just it's the ongoing theme that we we score quite, play quite well, score early, and just simply don't know what to do with the lead, and it's it's frustrating at this stage. But um, overall, not too disheartened. But that was definitely two points dropped, I think.
3: I think Bradley needs a bit more tactical now because it's happened a few times, balls Harps, Limerick now where
0: they've, the
3: Ponds have got back on top of us in the second half.
0: I, I don't know. Um, from what I hear, Bradley was shouting at the players to push up, but it's just they weren't keeping the ball. They were, they were going long all the time. I don't necessarily think it's a question of tactical I now. Mean, I mean, everybody in the stadium could see it, but I think maybe with young players and enthusiastic, is that that... Tactics are getting forgotten, and uh, maybe players are getting a bit panicky or something. But I mean, I I don't know. Can you? It happens so often at one point you have to look at management, all right? That it doesn't, there is a pattern happening. And but whether it's a question of tactical now, some manager or the the message not being communicated or followed by the players. So I just simply don't know.
3: Any changes you'd like to see in the team or formation?
0: Um, centre half. Um, I think okay, I know Sam is coming back from a long layoff, but. I think defensively, there is a problem in that the middle of that spine. It's good to see Luke Byrne back. I'm sure Trevor Clark will be a will be a great battle for that spot, or will they move Trevor Clark forward? But I suppose Carney coming back in gives him another option. It's hard to pinpoint that an immediate and obvious like a couple of tactical switches won't necessarily fix everything, but. Definitely, I think a centre-half is a problem. I think Devine has shown f- glimpses, but has been a bit of a liability. Bone looks like he can play there when he gets fit. Webster's been a little bit too shaky, which has been a bit surprising, considering I thought he was stepping in to be seriously key player for the club uh, in the medium term. Um, I suppose Finn definitely is starting to show glimpses of what we, we all know he can do. I think you, at this stage, maybe just persevere with it and stick to a first-11 and stick with it um, but beyond that I think a centre half is maybe if there's nothing Sean Heaney or something coming through then that might be something for the, the transfer window yeah, I'm here with Con Murphy
3: so Con you were at the Limerick game last Friday so I'll start with that one what do you think of the game?
0: Um,
4: it was very disappointing in the end obviously the way it finished um, there was a bit of a sense of inevitability about it in the second half I think you know after a good first half from Rovers they seemed to just sit back, retreat and invite Limerick on and I think everybody in the crowd was getting nervous. You could feel it in the ground and you could almost feel it I think amongst the players. You could see that there was, there was this uh, nervousness that one goal wasn't going to be enough as it has proved so often this season and I mean, the concession of that goal so late on. Funnily enough, the, the two or three minutes after conceding the goal Rovers obviously went for a winner and really pushed on you kind of feel like if they played like that in the second half just with a bit of freedom and a bit of you know get up and go they might have got the second goal which would have secured the game so I think the team is lacking a bit of confidence at the moment and maybe that's uh, why they were you know sitting back and inviting the pressure on and it was just a a sickening end to the game really Six defeats in the first eleven games what do
3: you think in your opinion has gone wrong this season?
4: Um, Not enough clean sheets Uh, I mean it's it's actually it's it's a very obvious equation really not enough clean sheets and not enough goals scored. I don't think Rovers look like scoring more than one or two per game if they're, if they're lucky in a way. Yeah, they're not creating enough chances. And you just don't feel that the team at the moment is going to keep a clean sheet. Which is, you know, if you think of all the, the great league winning teams, even look at Cork at the moment, the way they're winning matches left, right, and centre. They're nicking games, you know, 1 0, 2 1. Obviously, they've had a couple of big scores as well, but they're defending well and they're they're a very solid unit I think that can't be said about Rovers you know uh, obviously it's a new pairing at the back whether it's uh, Devine and Webster or whether Sam Bone comes in or you know obviously uh, Luke was out for a long time through injury and he's coming back so that can make a difference because I think um, although Trevor has done very well I, I think in an offensive uh, sense he's more of an asset to the team than playing at left back in, in some games I, th- I think he was our best attacker even though he was playing at left back. So I think that will Im- improve things when he moves forward. Um, so that's a real problem, not keeping clean sheets. And I suppose uh, that's something that obviously the, the management are going to have to look at and see what they can do because um, you know, conceding goals from corner kicks, free kicks, set pieces, silly goals they've given away, you know, it's uh, not good enough really uh, for a team that want to challenge for the title. And that's why they're mid-table at the moment, I think.
1: Now we'll have the rest of the con interview later on and uh, we're going to talk about Limerick now. This was a Limerick side looking for a draw. First half, uh, it should have been more than 1-0. They stopped looking for a draw when we decided to literally do nothing in the second half. Uh, we let them enforce their game plan on us at home in Tallaght Stadium which, which shouldn't be happening. It's really not good enough to be honest. So Pico Lopez made a stunning tackle slash block from Tosi late on and I thought it was our day after that. Felt like a loss to be honest. Yeah, that was a phenomenal block. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. It really was. Right before the equalized. I thought it was right. This is our day. I mean, if you can come up, come up with something like that, last ditch, get, stop like that, I I you, said, you know what, three points are ours. That was the first time he was playing a centre back this mm. season. Yeah, no, I thought he played well. I thought your man Ogbeni was the same as Tosi. You know, he did nothing for 90 minutes and then popped up with an assist. Uh, Luky should have put him in the East End, to be honest. Take the yellow. But uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? I
3: thought looked pretty lively without really doing anything I think yeah, Dean yeah. Clark was on that right side initially and he uh, wasn't getting get much shy Benet switched over and then yeah he, he roasted Lukey for the goal uh, Luke did have a very good game yeah he was pretty solid otherwise it's just yeah. uh, but like Benet was too fast for him
1: yeah that's all it was I, mean, I don't think he even could have made the tackle to be honest yeah
3: I watched it back in Soccer Republic last night and uh, I agree I don't think he could have made the tackle
1: yeah it would have been more like a rugby tackle if he had to do anything you know well maybe he should have done it <laughs> Uh, one fan I talked to Actually
3: was really unhappy That Brasder Blamed Lukey for the goal He thought it was a disgrace
1: Yeah I thought it was A little bit harsh To be honest now To even mention him Yeah it could have been A bit um, a bit soon After After his injury You know Yeah But uh, now we're going to read Something by Alan O'Brien Who did commentary For Limerick Soccer Live In Talent, And he wrote up A four point analysis And number three in particular Caught our eye. Bradley's 59-minute tactical change tempted faith. With his side still completely in the ascendancy in the opening 15 minutes of the second half, against a pretty impotent-looking Limerick side, there was little justica- justification for the negative tactical switch that Bradley enacted just before the hour mark. Removing meaning in favour of a 19-year-old Sam Bone and asking the latter to hold in a 4-1-4-1 shape stood as an unnecessary conservative move from a manager whose side were still blessed with, momen- with momentum. Quickly with shot isolated, Rovers went into retreat mode with all ten outfield players marooned in their own half as early as the sixty eight minute mark. That's that's quite incredible that, that dissection of the game there.
3: I think that sums it up. Yeah, there was there was a sad inevitability about that goal because we just gradually retreated back into our own half really frustrating. And I just felt like that goal was going to come.
1: See, Alan dissects the games with incredible detail. And I, I agree with him on this point in particular. And they were, they were the tactics of a man under pressure, I felt like. It seemed like Bradley tried to hold on to a 1-0 win with 60 minutes gone on the clock. It's it's insane, really.
3: Well, as Hugh mentioned there in his interview, apparently those in the West Ham will know because they, they, they heard Bradley. He was shouting at the players to push forward. But so they just kept happening. going deep. They showed at them to to play it out, they kept going long, so, they weren't following his instructions. And who,
1: but whose fault is that? I mean, is is it brazier's fault that his players won't listen to him? Or, who do you blame in, in this situation, you know? Michael O'Neill used to take off an attacker and bring on a midfielder. And it did avoid pressure, but, he never did it early, as early in that game. And, Michael O'Neill's sides were schooled on how to see out a game once that change was made. So, we need to smarten up.
3: And when brazier looked at his bench, he probably didn't see too many options because there were uh, Trevor Clark was suspended we didn't mm-hmm. actually know that when we recorded last week's yeah. show that the perils of recording on a Wednesday yeah Uh, injuries Uh, Ryan Connolly was still out of course so if you look at his bench Aaron Dobbs was there so that was the first time he was in a match squad this season Sean Boyd was there but he didn't bring him on it's the first time he wasn't involved in a league match Shane Hanny, who hasn't played a league game this season so he brought on Bone and then Duna who fortunately nothing really came off for Duna on the night no. Oh. And uh, Paul Curry and he's probably thinking, you know, Carey will, will hold on to the ball.
1: Yeah, that, it was a good move on, it, yeah. when you think about it. I mean, he's going to hold on to the ball, keep possession, but I I think it was just too early to make those changes. Of course, Curry hadn't played a game since the Galway game six weeks earlier. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's a very frustrating match to watch, especially the second half. It was uh, The attendance was 2,500, just over 2,500. Good crowd for the home game to Limerick and a good crowd considering how we were playing at the moment. So we're still getting the fans through the gates. Uh, I did
3: think we had a better shape about us in the game. Granted, we kind of fell apart in the second half. But it was a 4-2-3-1 formation. Finn and McAllister were in front of the back four. Thought we defended fairly well. You mentioned the Lopez block. Uh, Webster was getting the better at Tosi in the air. And, uh, Tosi
1: didn't have much about him, to- I mean, for the whole 90 minutes. It- and
3: that was actually Limick's first chance with the whole game. Like that, right before the equaliser. Because we, we, they resorted to long-range shots. So it was a fairly good defensive performance, but
1: we just, we defended so deep in our the half. The fact that we let them come at us, a yeah. poor Limerick team like that was very, very frustrating. And no matter how poor a team is, if you let them come at you, they're going to create one or two chances. So
3: It was nice to get a goal from from a set piece at the right end for a change.
1: Yeah, no, uh, We were only saying how when's the last time we scored a corner, Ca- scored from a corner.
3: I remember Pico scoring for a ball against us from a corner.
1: Yeah, the, remember that all right, but. Jeez, it's been a long long time since we scored from an actual corner.
3: He nearly scored again in the second half. And uh Shaw had two great chances in the first half. And you got a smack of a ball in the face. Yeah, so it, it was a right old smack in the kisser, wasn't it? Didn't have a great first forty five minutes there, Shawzy, but
1: Yeah, I felt his pain, really hit him hard.
3: We really are a one half team there, aren't we? I remember I remember saying to you at half time after we played fairly well. I remember saying to you, so we're gonna be shot
1: in the second half now, we care? That's it. It's and we were well it has to, it has to end. It's there's no doubt about it I mean we have to try and overcome this syndrome that we have where we just can't perform in two halves
3: yeah Graham Burke was magic in the first half it was his corner for the goal and uh, but he was pretty wasteful in the yeah. second
1: he, he can be a selfish player at times yeah he's he's been very frustrating at times I mean the simple things like for instance he was on the edge of the box and all he had to do was either swing it in or lay it off or have a shot. And I think it went over to the corner flag. You know, it was just a terrible, terrible decision.
3: When it's coming off for him, you want him on the ball and you want him to try whatever he feels like. But when it's not coming off for him, when you're chasing the win, you you, you can get very frustrated. Yeah. What did you think of Tomer's hipster goalkeeping? Hipster
1: goalkeeping? Yeah. What, what, the punching? <laughs> yeah, he sure likes the punching. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all he does. Uh, a lot of people are getting frustrated with it to be honest Easton let out a couple of shouts uh, I don't know if if he's confident that if that's what he wants to do that's what he wants to do but just make sure it doesn't go to one the opposition's feet and they've a shot on goal you know but if he can catch it catch it don't just punch it for the sake of it you know I mean I'd rather hold on to possession than him punching it out to a, a, an opposition player you know
3: I was just watching the highlights back yeah there was a long range shot that he punched the ball did swerve a good bit in fairness but as you say as long as he punches it to safety it's the main thing there was one in Bray when um, remember when Ryan Brennan hit the post yeah yeah but I think that was a, I think was a bit of swear. on there was a hard shot in that so I wouldn't blame
1: him for that but yeah there was a bit of swear on it now we'll move on to uh, Bradzer Bradzer was shouting and he was shouting at and later apologising to John Harper one of the lads on the Rovers chatting on the forum uh, John wasn't happy we were defending and rightly so he did a roar about it and Bradzer let one back but Bradzer apologised later on yeah, showed a bit of class to Yeah, apologize. fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all get we all get frustrated at times, and I think, I think Brad's allowed get the better of him, but like, fair played him. for shook his hand and said, "Listen, he's entitled to his opinion." So
3: I think they've all done that. Some say O'Neill, Neal and They've all yeah, everybody back. does it.
1: You know, yeah. You can only imagine with the with the stand getting on your back. What's the story with uh, Steve McPhail Warming up our goalkeepers. Oh, no idea. I saw. Uh, I think it's. Oh, I can't. his name escapes me now we were speaking to him the Rollstone. I think his name is Jose yeah C- Spanish kind of kind of a small guy yeah he was uh, he was warming them up against Longford and I'm not too sure but I mean
3: yeah Nimerick and Bray it was McPhail
1: he's a director of football right McPhail and he's warming up the keepers maybe the guy was on leave I don't know people gotta go on holidays as well hell their football coaches maybe he was away in Spain you never know it does look a bit strange it does look a bit strange your director of football warming up your goalkeeper uh, we'll move on to Tony Ward and Cardiff were represented in the suite as well. So uh, some more great pre-match entertainment. Really liking the whole idea. Uh, not many people played at such high levels of two sports, so it's certainly something I admire. I think you had Michael Jordan played baseball as well as basketball. Henrik Larsson played floorball in the Swedish Super League. And I don't even know what floorball is. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't even look it up. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to guess it's some sort of futsal maybe with a smaller ball. Um Louis Enrique does marathons and Iron Man competitions, so those are some um some professional footballers and professional athletes who have played two sports professionally. And don't forget uh Neil O'Donohue,
3: the last Irishman to play in the NFL and he played one season at Rovers in the nineteen seventies.
1: Really? Yeah. Now that's a stat and a half right there. NFL. Yeah. Well, was he a place kicker? Yeah. Oh no way I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Is he still alive?
3: yeah he was he was in the, he got national attention kind of last year the The Guardian rolled a piece on him and uh, balls.ie did a piece on him before that as well, so.
1: well there's an idea for the suite for the future yeah so Ward spoke very well it was um. he, he couldn't call the uh, couldn't call the win he went for a score draw so he was sitting on the fence he's a lot of time hmm. for Limerick and Rovers so yeah a lot of people assumed
3: that he was from Limerick I kind of wasn't sure either, but yeah, he grew up in House Cross and he used to walk the mill down yes, every second Sunday, yeah. so that was cool to hear that he followed Robert's growing up. Uh, he told a good story as well, how um, when I uh, were playing the World Cup in Brisbane in 1987, the thing that stuck out in his mind wasn't actually the World Cup, it was he looked up on the terrace and he saw a cram banner. Keep Rovers at Middletown. That's
1: actually, do you know what, every, every time I go away I see something, Samark Rovers, or meet someone got to do with a club or a fan, so they were, we're everywhere, to be honest. Uh, the programme was really good again. Uh, Carl's editor- editorial was particularly good, so well done on that, Carl. That, you popped your editorial cherry, I think. Thank you. Robert bestowed the honour upon me last <laughs> week. And
3: uh, I've got a piece in tomorrow's issue about this show, actually everything you wanted to know about tales from the East End but were afraid to ask oh that's it now so, so check that out and uh, McDoward has an interview with Glenn Cronin who explains how he nearly signed for Rovers in 2008
1: oh very interesting I didn't know that yeah. I love these behind the scenes stories I bought the scoops all the scoops so it's uh, now it's time for questions from the East End with Lukey and Pico I'm here with Luke Byrne and Roberto Lopez for questions from the East End so
3: I'm going to start with Luke Byrne question number one who is the longest serving continuous player in the current Robber squad? So no, no unbroken spells. So hasn't hasn't hasn left. No. If the player left and came back doesn't count. So who's been here the longest? I,
2: so if, if he went on loan, no, is no, he... I thought it was a simple question. No, because I've had this <laughs> conversation with someone yeah. and me and him disagree
3: on... Yeah, if he went on loan it still counts. It
2: counts. Sean Healy. That's right, correct. He won't be... he'll
4: be <laughs>
3: Exactly how many days passed between your appearance in Cork last year and against Bowes this year? You should know
0: that. Oh God, someone said it to me. How
3: many days in a year? Wait a second here. I forget this. I think it was in the sun, wasn't it? Exactly. So it was. 357, on
2: 357. Oh, Correct,
3: well done yeah. <laughs> right, You're a boxing fan so Two boxing questions yeah. Which boxing class is heaviest? Flyweight, bantamweight or featherweight?
2: Featherweight That's
3: correct <laughs> What was Muhammad Ali's birth name? Cassius Clay Right, fire with a force over In what year did Ray- Wayne Rooney sign for Man United? four. Yes, correct <laughs> impressed there <laughs> I'm impressed What is the capital of Romania? Gone. on Yeah okay. What's the Irish word for grass? <laughs> yeah. oh, didn't even do Irish what? Didn't
0: even do it. I did I hear somebody half I still should know this. No. No, don't know. It's
3: uh, fair. Spell the word handkerchief. <laughs> H-A-N
1: D K-E-R-C-H-I-E-F
0: Correct.
3: Right, Lord of the Rings question now.
0: Yeah? Oh yeah.
3: What's another name for the Black Riders in Lord of the Rings? The Nazgul Correct. Oh, 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 oh. Only one wrong so far. Which of these players is not a left back? Pato Maldini, Berto Cardos, Lillian Tora, or Jose Antonio Camacho? Yeah,
2: Lillian Tora. Right.
3: That's only one wrong. You got nine points.
2: Oh,
3: not oh, saying sorry. you got it right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay.
3: So, yeah, just the Irish question get around So, 9 points I shouldn't have even done it because
2: I don't need to deal 100 it yourself, Fair play. play I don't think I'll beat that That's <laughs> 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 on, I yeah. well, don't watch What's football What's the now if I win the whole scene?
3: Some kind of trophy Yeah, Gary's, trophy. Gary's working on
2: it yeah.
3: <laughs> Okay, Roberto Not careless <laughs> Name the four Champions League semi-finalists
2: uh, Atletico
0: Monaco, Real, and Juventus.
3: Correct. Which Rovers players have started every league game this season?
2: Thomas David Webster,
3: um, Simon Madden. I'm not going to tell you his number now, so you have to kind of yeah. decide yourself.
2: Um who else is there? London Nope. Started everyone, every game? Yeah, not I. Yeah.
3: I think there's one more. No, that's it, sorry. That's it, three, yep,
2: yeah,
3: three. <laughs> no, nah, you backtracked. Arachnophobia means a fear of what? That's right. What are the first prime numbers? Sorry, what are the first four prime numbers? What kind of was? What kind
0: of was? Luke knows this. What kind of was? I can't tell you that. What pass? <laughs> it's uh, 2, 3,
3: 5, and 7. 2, 3, 5, and 7. What's that mean? Only divisible by themselves. Uh, Lionel Messi took the number 10 jersey from which Barcelona player?
0: <laughs> Rivaldo Close, do you want to have a second guess?
2: Nah, I don't get it, Cloyworth. Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho? Yep. 2008
4: I've lost,
3: I've yeah. What do you have in common with Henrik Larsson and Patrick Vieira
4: uh, Parents
3: from the Cape Verde, or rel- relatives from the Cape Verde, Orleans. Yeah, Henrik's dad and Patrick's mother yeah. Spell the word eligible
2: E-L-I-G-I-B-L-E
3: Correct Which has a greater population, Cape Verde or Cork?
0: <coughs> Cape Verde
3: It's Cork 542,000 Cape Verde, 512,000 I don't
2: know When was that one? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think last year I have no no sense. It's no late sense. Name three Brad Pitt movies
2: uh, Fight Club
3: Must um, that, Mrs. Ar- Mrs. Mrs.
2: Devler <laughs> I, <forgot laughs> uh, I don't know how many Brad Pitt films actually <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith isn't it?
0: Correct,
3: you just need one more One more
2: Jesus
0: <laughs> Troy. Can you confirm that? Uh,
2: I've uh, never seen Troy.
3: Okay. <laughs> what was the goal difference margin in which Rowers won the twenty ten league title over Bose? One. Two.
0: Two.
3: Two. How do you
2: imagine should have been made? Yeah. It's
3: actually on the
2: bench,
3: like right anybody who chooses to score a okay. full. Can't put that in the podcast. Yeah. Cabo water. How do you want to be Oh, yeah. Okay, you got that. Spice. Yeah. This is seven. How did you go? One, two, three,
2: four, five, six. I've got there. Six. six points. So nine for Luke, six for Roberto. I'll take
1: that. I'll pop my question for Harley. Luke and Pico there with questions from the East End. Uh, it's quite impressive.
3: Yeah, usually we have to ask the players to do questions from the east end but lukey practically asked me to quiz him so uh, yeah yeah you you really wanted to do that but he was foiled by his Greliga,
1: yeah i thought he would have had a bit of irish in his arsenal now i'm surprised
3: yeah. never did it in school he said
1: never did it in school
3: yeah and pico needs to learn his prime numbers
1: yeah i know i am disappointed with that
3: yeah lukey is a boxing buff as you told me afterwards so those questions were probably handy enough for him yeah he knows his stuff when it comes yeah. to the boxing yeah he loves it and again the players get really competitive with this game. You've seen that at the gym.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh it's gonna take a lot to beat Lukey.
3: Yeah, the look on Lukey's face when I offered Pico a second chance at the Ronaldinho question, he was horrified. He wasn't happy now. Yeah, he's probably right, I was being generous, but now we're trying to drag them along
1: sometimes, aren't we?
3: Yeah, so that's nine's
1: a score to beat. Who's I mean, who's gonna we're gonna have to have a shoot off if uh, someone matches it or if someone beats it, someone gets ten. Some people tipping uh, the former U C D lads,
3: Paul Curry and Ronald Finn. Oh, I think we'll have to get them together. Yeah.
1: Now we're going to move on to the Rovers under-19s. They went 2-0 up and drawed it in the end of McGill Cup. James Doona getting on the score sheet, but they ended up losing 3-2 an extra time. That's disappointing. I would have liked to see him go through and progress.
3: Uh, Doona came off early because he played the day before, so it was a busy week for in the life of James Doona. Yeah, and he played against Alton as well. Probably that changed the
1: game when he came off. Yeah, it's a a bit of a collapse, isn't it? Winning 2-0 and and going down 3-2. Mm. The Under 19s next fixture is at home to Galway on Saturday at half three, Tallaght Stadium. Rovers uh, Under Seventeens so were looking to make a five wins in a row, but they drew nil all at home to UCD at the weekend. Connor Bean playing in, it. and the next day he won the five k fun run, and um, well done to Connor. He beat Shane Robinson in the process. And Gartland And Gartland yeah. yeah, and a man, one man, and his dog. He got a very good score. I'm not sure who it was, but he <laughs> ran it with his dog. Uh, we have Aaron Bulger In the Ireland under 17 Squad this week So well done to young Aaron I was actually hoping To see him against Longford But it's a It's a, it's a privilege To it's, it's be called up to the 17s.
3: He's only played In the Leinster Senior Cup Game so far I think In Kilkenny
1: Yeah I like uh, I like the look In this season Last season he played A few games didn't he I like the look of him Yeah
3: he set that record Didn't he The first millennium Post-millennium Born player Oh, that was Aaron Was it In the League of Ireland Yeah
1: We have some more good news With a major announcement With Corduff Teaming up with Rovers To uh Learn off each other as regards to youth coaching and everything football related. So that's another good link that we've set up on the north side this time. Yeah, as you say, the
3: north side club. So it's a great link up.
1: Yeah, we're we're hitting all areas in Dublin. It's, it's the best way. Cool. Uh, we have Shane Robinson hitting back at criticism in the media, and then we have Robbie Keane saying, "Forget about the results." Which uh, I'm not sure if I agree with.
3: I cringe to that. To be honest, I hate. It. There's nothing worse than telling fans to forget about results.
1: I mean that's that's your bread and butter, you know, it, it, it's easy for him to say. I thought Robbo spoke well, but Yeah, no Robbo's pretty cool. Yeah, it's
3: just a horrible headline. You know, forget about the results.
1: It's very hard to I mean it's it's what fans want, you know, we want we want three points every week. It's 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 not a good thing to be saying forget about it. I mean they're not gonna say that for losing every week so
3: Yeah, I think for a lot of people's point of view is it's a shame that we've kind of gotten mixed results on the pitch. It's a poor start to the first series of games because so much has gone right off the pitch yeah. our marketing of games is phenomenal our match day package is brilliant but having said that I think uh, Patrick Kilmerton pointed out this on Robert's and something that's bugging me as well is that why do people keep comparing the position of the first team in the table with the academy project it's got as, nothing to do with it as if we picked one over the other yeah no, nobody it's has absolutely picked, nothing to do with it I agree no, with you
1: nobody's picked one over the other we're just getting our house in order when it comes to our youth development that's all I mean we could have an absolutely stunning new development in the next 10 years and still struggle in the fourth league. Well, ho- hopefully, hopefully we don't, but it's all about promoting young players and, and producing them for our fourth team. So we're hoping that, that bears through.
3: Obviously, Bradzer has to get a right in the pitch. The players have to perform, but none of this is because of what's happening in the academy.
1: Yeah, Yeah, very true, very true. Um, show Racism The Red Card Awards Were at Tala on Tuesday Antonio who Was telling all the school kids How Cristiano Ronaldo Made his debut For Real Madrid there The more years that pass,
3: That becomes more surreal I
1: actually watched it again There in the last week And uh, It was pretty cool Watching Pat Flynn them Ronaldo made his Real Madrid debut In yeah. Tala And considering what he's done In, in that amount of time amount of goals he's scored yeah. And records he's broken It's, it's pretty crazy isn't it there's actually, there's a picture of the Madrid game hanging on the wall on Tala.
3: And, uh, with Dara Ferris pointed this out, the West Stand roof is photoshopped onto the East Stand. So it's fake news.
1: <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? We have more news regarding Norwich. They want Michael O'Neill. Uh, who doesn't want Michael O'Neill? I actually saw a Norwich fan complaining,
3: saying can we not widen our scope and ah, I'm look, just reading this look thinking. what he's
1: done man look at the he's poisoned chalice with with Northern Ireland he got us to the Europa League I mean come on
3: the idea of someone scoffing O'Neill it's just
1: madness ah, no, he's, he's definitely got the the ingredients to to manage in the Premier League I, I wonder who they so could
3: be because um, I remember Laurie Sanchez he, he struggled at first remember they went in that like 10 game run without scoring or yeah. something but then he got it right and they were top of their qualifying group and then he jumped ship to Fulham. And O'Neill's doing well again now. be interesting if that would happen to the, nor- the yeah. North again, where their manager leaves mid
1: campaign for a. I
3: don't think he would. I think, he wants. I think
1: he'll finish. I think he finishes what uh, he started. I think that's the type of guy he is. And we have Ian Barraclough uh, appointed as the under 21's Northern Ireland manager. I thought that was a bit surprising for me you now. Interesting link up, two former League yeah. Royal Managers. Do you reckon Mick O'Neill had something to do with that? Could have recommended him. Possibly yeah Yeah
3: If you look at every Manager to win the league Here Since 2008 You have those two Mick and Liam Barclough, Yeah Are both now managing Northern Ireland International teams Yeah You have Pat Fennin Liam Buckley And Stephen Kenny As the others All three former Rovers managers
1: Yeah I know So it's I just like
3: called out Every league winning manager Since 2008 there
1: And they managed us <laughs>
3: Except for Barclough Yeah
1: but. Oh god
3: Did you see Conan Burns goal last week
1: no oh, I missed uh, Soccer Republic this week won't tell me
3: uh, you know you know my favourite kind of goals it was very similar to Eric Cantona against Sunderland
1: uh, so he did a little chip
3: my favourite premiership goal of all time remember that one the posting in yeah it was very similar to that
1: who was in goal just chipped it on the Lionel edge of the box Lionel Perez was it uh, I don't know I think Lionel Perez was in goal I might be right
3: I mm. um, essential linked to the what Limerick are doing now know your club the yeah I thought
1: that was pretty cool yeah
3: that was fantastic. Blatant plagiarism. I mm, wonder where they got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was really, really good. I enjoyed it. Uh, not to brag, but I knew all the answers.
1: Some sort of Snapchat filter, is it that they were using? Possibly, yeah. And you see,
3: uh, Sligo Auroras went viral there. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen this phenomenon on Twitter of people giving clubs abuse over them letting them down in their accumulators.
1: They actually, like, it's Get at them and say Okay listen This is your fault It's you quite sh- sad But yeah, yeah. yeah
3: So someone had to go A Sligo Don't know where he Don't know if English Or who he was But said, Oh why was there no goals In the Sligo Galway game It was nil-nil, And it uh, went to Actually time in Penos And uh, the Sligo Twitter account Just bluntly replies No one cares about your bet Thanks
1: <laughs> Shut down <laughs> Absolutely shut down there Nicely done We beat Longford 1-0 In the League Cup Quarter finals 17 uh, year old Dean Dillon with his fourth senior goal, I think he's in fifth year So He had to go straight home To do the homework I think he knows his prime numbers I, I'd say he'd want to Wouldn't he yeah. like The leaving sir coming up uh, He looked quite dangerous In the box Off the back of a gruelling Schedule of games For the Irish underage squad um, So Four we'll, games in five days I yeah, think Yeah no Fair play to Dean Dillon uh, I think we have a bit of a player On our hands there So I love to see these young prodigies Coming through the youth system Especially strikers, you know, and and yeah, like I said, he looks uh, quite handy inside the box. So it's something we haven't really had. Uh, the weather was gorgeous. I ended up walking from uh, Luke and to Tallet It was it was a lovely walk. It took it about the same distance from Milltown to the Talla, and then it just got freezing all of a sudden.
3: Pretty much when the match started, it became cold. Literally, yeah. it just
1: plummeted. It was freezing. I couldn't believe how cold I got. I'm yeah. sitting there in shorts. Yeah, summer's on a Tuesday this year Yeah we got one day uh, A couple of hours
3: So we made nine changes For that game uh, Me and Aiden Webster They were the only ones Who had played Against Limerick So yeah It was a pretty young team that played We were surprised That Trevor Clark started yeah I, yeah I
1: didn't think He'd risk him at all Dundalk on Friday You know we could have Got injured mm. I thought Brando Picked up a knock uh, But he was okay In the end uh, What else did we have We had so
3: Shane Haney And Paul Curry Made their first start of the season.
1: Yeah, Shane, and he played well.
3: Yeah, it was actually Corey's first start in twenty months.
1: Twenty months, first start. No matter, oh, That's that's a crazy amount of time to be our football. So that was a Johnson's Paint Trophy game for Northampton Town. Wow, well, back. To, that's that's crazy. Hopefully he uh, stays fit and injury free because I think he can be a he can be a really good player. Yeah, we could have been five nil. Do you know what they could have scored twice? We could have scored six or seven times. Uh, Dean Dillon could have had a hat trick we we carved him up a couple of times I thought Boyd was, was fantastic in the first half
3: he was causing havoc in yeah the he was, defense. his
1: dribbling was brilliant he was beating players there, front and center treading balls through you know and he was really good in the first half so it's good to see that, that type of that Boyd that we want back you know that scored the cracker against balls yeah
3: nobody had the shooting boots on in the first half just no. a lot of wild shots over the bar yeah there like was a GAA game at times
1: yeah there was it was crazy but well, it's good to see that uh, we're we're making chances. albeit will be a poor Longford side. We should have scored more goals. Let's be honest. Yeah,
3: Dylan had two good chances in the first half, but he made up for it at the end. Very nice finish. Yeah, sweet finish, bump left corner.
1: Uh, took it very very well. And uh, Richie English got a few minutes at the end. Yeah, I've been looking forward to seeing this guy. I've heard a lot about him, so I'd look hopefully he gets some. It depends. I'm not sure when the draw is, but um, hopefully he gets more games in in the next couple of EA Sports Cup games
3: yeah again like Bodger he he had played in the Lancer Senior Cup in Kilkenny so it wasn't actually his debut but first time a lot of people were seeing him so
1: yeah so it's once again it's good to see these young lads coming through um, Longford brought on a former rover striker off the bench in the second half and I'm just trying to think of his name he was born in the States oh, can you get his name I love the other teams so never run, never run, half-run in the carriage All the other teams in the jump-topics So never run, never run, cast the undercover Ah, Don Cohen. That's the man. Yeah. Never scored for Arbus in 12 appearances. Yeah, he's qu- he's kind of bow-legged, isn't he? He runs like uh, he's been sitting on a horse for a while. It's, it's a very strange way of running but um, you were saying he missed an incredible chance yep. against away to Sporting Fingal in
3: the FAI Cup was
1: it yep definitely 100% remember that and then I think and nearly sure in the same game he missed an open goal with a header and it t- ended up hitting the back of his head and it was like a defensive clearance <laughs> he, he had his chances at Rovers let's be honest Mick O'Neill gave him the chances he, he definitely did have a chance to get into that team and break in but he just didn't take them Remember
3: At the start of the 2010 season, we couldn't get a goal for our lives. Yeah, like I think Graeme talking? Barrett was playing up front, was he? Yeah, there was calls to start Cohen every week. Those yeah, scary I remember times. It was amazing pace, I'll give him that. But uh, And oh. do you remember the, the replay of that Sporting Finger game? We missed a penalty in the last minute of extra time. And uh, who was that?
1: First Turner? No. Stephen Bradley. Stephen Bradley. Oh, I don't think he liked that. Do you know, I'm, I'm not, I am I'm can't really remember that, to be honest. I'm going to have to look back on that one. Uh, move on to Damien Duff, a.k.a. Leon, a.k.a. The Jackal. Shot me down for a soundbite at the Longford game. and still hurts Damien. I don't think he fully grasped what I was asking for, to be honest. Uh, I, I asked him for a quick soundbite. I just wanted him to say, this is Damien Duff. You're listening to Tales from the East, Dan, but he <laughs> just shot me down completely. It still hurts, like I said. Well,
3: in fairness, they- you could have been like a neo-Nazi podcast for all he knew. Yeah, you were yeah. looking asking him to attach his name to it. You know, he's too
1: long in the game for this, isn't he? Yeah, he looked busy. In fairness, he was. Tr- I think he was trying to get Sean Heaney's attention. He was trying to get the lads in from the warm down. So, so you got off know. on the wrong foot there. But we'll we'll get him on eventually. Maybe him McPhail will do questions from these done Um. Yeah, just that'd be good. We also presented the winner of our contest with a signed jersey at the Longford game. Owen McGuire um joe monks we messaged him on facebook added him as a friend and he never got back to us so he didn't show up and sean o'connor was a no show he was getting his teeth pulled out of his head after doing god knows what on a stag in germany so that doesn't sound fun sounds like a good weekend just not the teeth getting pulled apart
3: yeah shame we couldn't get a final there between owen and sean but owen was first in fairness he got the question fastest so yeah you yeah. earned it he did earn it yeah no it
1: was well deserved and uh, he was delighted so uh, here's what Owen had to say actually how you get into rovers in the fourth place
2: yeah, I've always kind of I'm never really came from much of a sporting family like, it was always uh, the League of Ireland was never really something and, yeah, my family had go to um, yeah. had a lot of friends down at Klondark and we're all St. Pats fans but I don't know like, I never really liked Pats I always going kind to of watch League of Ireland weekly every week now and Rovers would be the team we'd look out for. Then, when I was about 17, 18, I got a job in a pub. Uh, met a friend there, working there. He, he'd he been coming to Roberts for years. Uh, you got good hope from good, there. good Friday, yeah. We had good Friday off. We were playing Cork here. Two of had the day off, so we had to come up with him. And that would have been your fourth game, would it? That was my fourth game, yeah. Good Friday, 2008 or 9, I think it was. 1-0. Would have been 2009, actually, yeah. Twiggy scored. Late on, we got a draw.
0: Yeah. And your
1: favourite game?
2: Favorite games. The school field, the Chills round, obviously, in the Palace money coming eight years now. But there has been some great games over the years. Like uh, obviously the two one against Bowles here. Twiggy's like all the the same season. Yeah. But at the end, the event is obviously is just standout. And then the whole European run Into 2011. Yeah. I don't think we could pick one to be honest. Yeah,
4: but quite the quite Pod the, question, Podge,
2: the Podge one was was, was brilliant. I think Twiggy's two sides because it was the first derby, but...
4: I think I know the answer to this, but we'll ask you anyway. Your favourite player?
2: Favourite player? Ah, has to be Twiggy, but I don't know. Stephen Ois, i always like Chris Turner as well.
1: Yeah, but uh, thanks anyway, uh, Owen. And uh, where's the jersey going? Is it going up on the wall?
2: Ah, it's getting in the frame, yeah, absolutely. It's five or six on the wall already, so be joining the wall of fame. Grand, thanks, Owen. <laughs> no worries, thanks.
1: Now we are moving on to Carl's stats. One of my favourite parts of the show because um, they're just really impressive. Let's be honest. I am blushing here. <laughs> uh, uh, Rovers recorded their tenth consecutive win over Longford, and the Hoops became the fourth club to reach six League Cup semi-finals in a row. That's mm-hmm. a f- so that's a that's a record. The mm-hmm. first time ever.
3: That's two six in rows we have now. Two six, six FAI Cups. And Sixty Cup semi-final.
1: <laughs> Rovers have won each of their last 16 ties against fourth Division clubs in all cup competitions since losing to Shelbourne in the 2010 Leinster Senior Cup. Rovers have 8 points less than at this stage last season. So yeah, it's the same points return as Trevor croddy's
3: first third of the 2013 season. Oh God. And funny enough, in our next game, game number 12, we beat Dundalk one nil at home
1: oh hopefully it's a good omen
3: and that was the last time we beat them doc in the league Went well home, May 2013
1: May 2013 we used to hop off them for fun didn't we
3: 6-7 0 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you read Emmett Malone in the Irish Times uh, he was drawing attention to Stephen Bradley's pre-season comments he was kind of saying that he he brought on himself a little bit because he raised expectations saying that you know
1: maybe so yeah. we
3: may not catch them doc but we can certainly close the gap on, on Cork obviously it looks farcical now because Cork was starting so well but no one no one saw that coming yeah I mean he has to say something doesn't
1: but, he um, but Owen uh, he's not going to come out and say oh yeah I'm chasing 6th place
3: yeah and and Emmett acknowledged that he basically said if managers said things like that they'd be accused of being conservative and boring yeah so do you remember when Pat Benham was appointed the first thing he said was I've no interest in 2nd place yeah and he never finished higher than 3rd yeah but managers have to say ambitious things I think
1: Oh, they all do yeah I mean that's that's just that's the nature of the game isn't it now we have Tomer Henschinski Simon Madden and David Webster they've started every league game for us this season um, Brian Garland and Michael Duffy are the only ever present for Dundalk that's a change for them isn't it they used to have uh, quite a few ever presents yeah, like the, three in a row
3: yeah like if, last few seasons like 9 or 10 games into the season I, I would look at their their stats and like most of the team would have played every game yeah, it's so not like that anymore. That is
1: a change. Uh they have lost to the bottom of the table, so Galway last week, a two one defeat. Uh the Prez was enjoying it. He went viral as well with a with a meme or a memey. That's why do you say that? <laughs> yeah, it's just meme character. It's a meme, it's not a meme. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, if, so he enjoyed Galway's
1: first win in the season. Yeah, he was a. Uh, I'd say there was points after He likes to drop out, on Michael D. They have lost back to back league games uh, only once since the start of the 2014 season, and that also came in a defeat in Galway last August. Could
3: be a good almond for us. Yeah. They gave you so. two good almonds there, so what more do you want? Yeah, I know. And a uh, crazy stat there I saw online on Twitter. Dundalk in second place are closer in points to relegation than they are to first place.
1: Oh, wow. Didn't know that. It's a great show. This is a weird season. It is. <laughs> So we have Dundalk, who have lost four of their last six away league games, and they've been beaten in seven of their last ten competitive matches away from Argyll Park. So their their home their away form was brilliant mm. in their three in a row seasons, wasn't it?
3: Well, that's including Europe and the Aviva Stadium. So it's a bit of a you know misleading, no, no, misleading okay. stat But not. they're poor. But it's a fact nonetheless.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah, their away form is terrible. Uh, Dundalk and Finn Harps are the only current top-flight teams that Brandon Mealy has never scored against. And David McMillan is the danger man this week, and he has scored six goals in his last six games. David Webster has not scored in 114 league games since Bray's one-all draw with Dundalk in August 2012.
3: Yeah, he did score in Europe.
1: Yeah, against... Who was it? The Progress. Progress. Niederkorn. That's yeah. them. The next worst run is Dundalk's midfielder Chris Shields, who has not scored in his last 97 Premier Division games. So he's due a goal, and hopefully not against us. None of the top three teams, Cork, Dundalk and Bray, have drawn a game yet. Dundalk's last league draw was against Rovers in September. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Uh, Dundalk have scored at least one goal in 17 consecutive league games. So they're scoring goals. Derry were the only team that Rovers failed to score against in the last round of games. In the fourth round of games, sorry. So there weren't any nil-all draws in the fourth series of the Premier Division. That must be a record as well, i say. I'm not going to look it up, but <laughs> I, it must be. It, I think it is. It has to be. And Dundalk's, Dundalk's last scoreless draw in the way league game was in March. 2012, so it's a long time since they have a scoreless draw in the away league game. Dundalk are looking for three successive league wins over Rovers for the first time since so, oh, this is a doozy for since September 1978 to um, to November 1979, and three straight away league wins for the first time in their history against Rovers. So this will be the first um, time in their history.
3: Yeah, they did it once. It was there in the 70s. They won two league games and a league cup match at milltown but they've never won three straight in the league away to Rovers.
1: Yeah, and hopefully we, uh, we book that. Tr- hopefully that doesn't uh, happen on Friday. Rovers are ten games without a win over Dundalk since the two. Uh, that's I'm surprised at that. You know, since the 2014 FAI Cup quarter final victory over or over, over the uh, Oriel Park. Jeez, like I said, we used to hop off them for fun, score tons of goals against them. Things have changed now, but um. Next up, we have uh, starting 11s and predictions. Now I'm going to go with 4-4-2. Uh, I'm going go four, four, to hit Dundalk while they're on the ropes. They've lost against Galway. And I'm going to start with Tomer. No Christmas tree this week. No Christmas tree this week. Uh, failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> we have Tomer Madden. Tomer in goal obviously with Madden right full. Lopez and Bourne centre half I'm going to put Bourne in where he belongs centre half I think that's just my managerial prowess shining through there Clark at left full if he's available we got it wrong last week the joys of recording on a Wednesday Brando on the wing with meaning Finn McAllister central midfield and Boyd and Shaw up front and we're going to attack them from the get go now, like I said, this is all in my mind. I've, I think, like bottom at times with this deranged view. But and my prediction, actually, I'm gonna go with. God, I'm gonna say there's gonna be goals, and I'll say a two-one win. Surprise, surprise! Gary picks a win.
3: <laughs> Thirty-three wins from Gary this season. Uh, I don't agree with dropping, Graham Burke. Now, I, I would. He'd be one of my first names on the team sheet I think every he's week. He's
1: gonna be an impact soul for us. He's
3: just. I think he's one of the most gifted players in the league
1: Yeah I do, definitely see where you're coming from
3: Yeah I'm hoping for things from the two former Dundalk men Finn meaning maybe get a goal there even though Finn is playing so defensive this season
1: I thought Boyd was really good against Longford so that's why I'm going for him
3: Yeah so I'd like to see Boyd and Shaw Again we keep mentioning the balls game from last year their little link up would you just love to see something like I that know, again I
1: know yeah Shaw's never present in our teams isn't he
3: Alright and their uh, prediction
1: Oh, on Carol. Throw it out there.
3: Pressure. I've I've actually a good feeling we won't lose the game.
1: I think so as well. They're on, like I said, they're on the ropes.
3: So I'm gonna say nil nil.
1: Nil nil. Yeah. Uh God <laughs> <laughs> Right, so once again we have Com Morphy coming up with the second part of his interview.
3: I've enjoyed your eighteen ninety nine sweet appearances of art season. You've hosted a few different guests. Um it's a great addition to the match day package, isn't it?
4: I think it's brilliant now I would say that because I'm involved but actually I genuinely uh, and I, you know the comments that I've seen on, on Facebook and stuff have been really positive positive. and even outside of the club like in the newspapers and stuff a lot of the um, articles in the papers have referred to it and, and the fact that Rovers have brought something new to the league really because this hasn't been done before um, in any of the other clubs most of the other clubs don't have a facility like we have here in Tala that room the 1899 suite can accommodate a couple of hundred people very comfortably. Uh, the food is really nice. Full bar. Uh, you get to hear the management after the game and you know, obviously we've had a few disappointing results at home this season so some of those interviews are a bit tougher than you'd like but um, it's a great facility. The numbers coming in have been really good and I, I hope people keep coming and supporting it because um, it is something that Rovers are doing that other clubs aren't doing. It's generating a bit of cubob um, for the club. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a huge money spinner but it's just a great facility for the fans so so I hope people will continue coming and uh, this weekend obviously with the Dundalk game uh, Tony Cousins is going to be the guest of honour and that will be an interesting one because everybody says he's my double obviously I'm much better looking than him but uh, it'll be be an interesting conversation Tony Ward was great last week and for me like interviewing fellas like I watched Tony Ward playing for Rovers back in the 70s. I watched, you know, Pat Byrne and Peter Eccles and uh, all these guys, Gary Twig down through the years. And, and getting a chance to talk to them up there for me is fantastic and really, it's it's a, a really enjoyable and uh, and the crowd seem to enjoy it as well. So yeah, I hope it I hope it thrives and I hope people will keep supporting and coming. You mentioned watching Rovers in the 70s. There, how did you actually get into Rovers? And do you remember what your first game was? I don't. It's funny, um, Jimmy McGee, when I talk to him, he can remember, you know, it was the 12th of May, 1937, my first game here there, and, uh, you know, it was a sunny day. He remembers everything. I've, I have a terrible memory for stuff like that. I know it would have been around 1970 when I first uh, went to a game. I do remember going to a game and going up to the terrace on the Gonzaga end of the ground, which is the far end from the road, and sitting on one of the crush barriers... And I know that John Herrick was playing for one of the Cork teams. So that would have been around 1970 or thereabouts. It was my dad who took me to the games. And at that point, um, myself and my brother used to go with him. And we travelled to every game, home and away. Religiously, it was, uh, it was fantastic. And, um, and then in 1974, my brother was killed in an accident, a road accident. So it was just me and dad after that. And we travelled the highways and byways all over the country supporting rovers and it's, it was a great great grace jeez i'm so glad that uh, he took me to those games because for me it's it's everything like i really genuinely feel sorry for kids who only watch football on the tv and follow liverpool or manchester united or leeds united whoever it might be it is not the same i mean you know going to a match and the atmosphere you feel at a match and you know when things are going well the crack and the joy you get out of it is is fantastic and even when things are going badly you know it it only makes the good times better because you appreciate the ups and downs and the roller coaster that it is and and that's what it is about being following any team and i've you know i've I've got a shamrock rovers hat in my hand here it's gonna get cold here tonight but uh i'm so glad that i started going to rovers and, and those memories from milltown they'll stay with me forever you know
3: lot to choose from, but could you pick a favourite game you've ever seen from Roberts?
4: Oh gosh. So many. Um, there's a few that stand out. The the cup final win in um in, uh, under Johnny Giles against Sligo Rovers what year was that 1978 yeah controversial penalty uh, controversial it was definitely a penalty by the way I was sitting right across from the incident and, and Sligo the fans referee. disagree <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they, they can disagree all they like the referee pointed to the spot and Ray Tracy scored and I loved that the day they won the league in the RDS because after everything that happened after Milltown and the, the tough years of travelling around and stuff uh, to get a league title again that day I remember going over to the Horseshoe house afterwards and uh, after a couple of pints you know the tears were coming out and my eyes out um, so that was great I think the first match here in Talla will always stay with me when Gary Twig put that ball in the net ah oh, Jesus it, it was just unbelievable um, some of the European games here have been great as well um, I remember at Milltown they played um, a friendly game against Arsenal and even though it was only a friendly, it was during the Rovers sort of four-in-a-year, four-in-a-row uh, team. And at that time, they played just beautiful football. Great players, guys like Pat Byrne, uh, wonderful passer of the ball, and just super team. And they played Arsenal off the pitch. And I always remember thinking, feeling really proud that you know Rovers were playing Arsenal off the field, playing better football. I forget the result of the match, but that didn't matter. It was just that Rovers played so well. And maybe the
3: I think Larkin maybe got the goal. Yeah. Which one? I think Noel Arkin, maybe got the winner. Did he?
4: Yeah, you see, I, I, should, I should have remembered who I was talking to. <laughs> uh, that was an amazing day. Uh, and also, the, um, the European Cup game against Celtic at Milltown was an amazing night. And even the game against Linfield, even though Rovers got knocked out, one all draw after a nil all up in, in uh, Belfast, we, had, we were one of the few people who actually got into the match in Windsor Park because they banned Rovers fans from the. the and, and in fact, Louis Kilcoyne sort of agreed, I think, with Linfield that this was okay and um, the fans were very unhappy about that. I think my dad just managed to get two tickets off somebody in Belfast that he knew and we sat in the stand surrounded by rabid Linfield fans and, and there was one incident where Dermot Keeley throttled a fella and the referee came over and sent off the Linfield guy and the people around us in the stand were going mental. And it was really difficult for us because we had to just stay quiet and you know, not cheer And Rovers nearly scored and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was a really memorable game as well. But there's so many down through the years, you know, it's, it's hard to pick one. But I think that Twig goal here on the first night, with that, that'll stay with me to the grave, definitely. Do you have a favourite ever Rovers player? Do you know something I, I'm going to have to say, Gary Twig? Um, I know it's very current after all the great players down through I mean there's been so many I mean I loved Mick Byrne Pat Byrne Frank O'Neill would have been one of my first kind of heroes Ray Tracy when he was playing for Rovers under Giles Um, but like when Gary Twig left the field here for the last time again i'm a bit of a crybaby, but i had tears coming down my face and lorraine was with me and she was she was almost laughing that i was so emotional but uh for me it was just like the rebirth of the club when they moved to Tala, and uh, just a whole new era and i think he represented everything that was good about that and when it came to an end i was really sad so yeah twiggy and i interviewed him there recently in in the 1899 suite and and that's like a real thrill I mean, the first moved was a talent sales nine-year house of M&S
3: at the time, back then, yeah. Um, did you enjoy your stay in this house, and did you find it difficult at times to hide your look for the hoops?
4: I loved doing that. That was my favourite programme to do, um, and it was a real wrench, actually, to, to, to leave. Um, um, it was my decision. I left RTE. I, I um, decided after 20 years I wanted to kind of have a bit of free time. I was working six or seven days a week, and it was, I was just finding it too much, so... Uh, I, I decided to leave. But I, w- I was hoping that I'd be able to finish the season. There were about six programs to go. I left in September. And they wouldn't let me do the six programs to finish out the season, which I was a bit disappointed about. Um, but I loved doing that. And th- the problem was, at the time when we were doing that program, Rovers were doing really well. So they were always the first match almost, because they were winning the league, they were getting into Europe, they were you know, having a great time here in Tala. So a lot of people who weren't Rovers fans were accusing me of being biased and favouring Rovers, when in fact, you know, Dundalk have featured in the last couple of years more than any other club because they were winning the league and they were getting into Europe and doing really well. So it's a cycle. It'll be Cork this year. You know, they're going to be the first match every week. So people were calling it, you know, MNS or FC, which was bit unfair because I I was only the presenter who was the editors and the producers and stuff who decided the running order and decided who got interviewed and decided who was on the panel and all that kind of stuff Um, but uh, there were one or two incidents maybe like penalty incidents where I'd argue the toss a bit for rovers but uh, you have to try and be as neutral as possible but I think anybody who presents a programme on TV, generally they will have a team. Like Gary Lineker doesn't hide the fact that he's a Leicester City fan. Adrian Childs always said West Brom was his big love, and you know that was it. So I think most presenters love the game and got into the game by following a team. So they're going to follow somebody. I mean, uh, you know, Adrian Eames who does commentaries now, he's a big uh, Sligo Rovers fan. Uh, John Kenny is a big Shelburne fan. I wonder who Peter Collins course. Do you know something? I don't know who Peter Collins support, supports. It's Jay- a rhetorical question, to be honest. I, I don't know. Uh, Peter is from Westport, so maybe Galway United will be the closest uh, team to him.
3: Um,
4: when you were working for RTE at the time, or even
3: compared to now, do you think they've shown as much support to the league as they possibly could have?
4: Uh, to be honest with you, I think the league has done pretty well out of RTE over the last few years. Um, I mean, the emergence of uh, Satanta stroke air sport now uh, has been really good for the league as well I think uh, their coverage has been pretty extensive when they do the games so combined between RTE and air sports um, you know people are getting more coverage of the games now than they ever got and I think actually just speaking to the air Sport people they're hoping to extend their coverage of League of Ireland over the next year or two which is great news but I think RTE I mean they put a huge amount of resources into that program um, spend an awful lot of money on it uh, you know it, the, one of the interesting things about interviewing all the um, heroes from down through the years in the 1899 suite is how little footage there is of them going back to the 60s and 70s and even the 80s. Whereas now there's a library of footage there that will always be there forevermore. So every game, every goal, you're seeing it all. And I, you know, I know some people criticise their coverage, um, but I think it has to be taken in the fact that. You know they are investing a lot of money in their coverage. The audience figures for League of Ireland football would still be relatively low compared to, obviously, Champions League or, uh, you know, the rugby that they do. The Champions Cup. Well, they're not doing the Champions Cup anymore. But previously, when they were doing rugby, they were getting bigger figures for that. So I, I think, by and large, uh, they they definitely get a, a B plus
1: a great interview with Peter seems like a like a gent and a, and a nice guy he's not afraid to speak his mind either which I'd like yeah he, uh, he gutted and Dunphy in the Sui which I enjoyed thoroughly
3: yeah I love talking to Con uh, he, was, he was he was really happy to do the interview uh, I had to get that little jab at Peter Conn's in there Ah,
1: oh, he's terrible yeah do you know what it's just like he, he's just terrible in general everybody, everybody says it gets like
3: yeah read my blog if you want my in depth opinions on Peter Conn's
1: there I think we have to find out who he's related to. There's definitely some nepotism going on there.
3: Yeah, Soccer Republic Khan—it's just not been the same without you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, you heard him mention Tony Cousins is the guest in the 1893, 1899 suite for tomorrow night. Should be interesting. Scores, scores and about a dozen. Khan's alike, he says. Yeah. Yeah, Joe's gave Cousins a special mention, didn't he, a few weeks ago? He did. Yeah. He was. Uh, he said he,
3: uh, you know, he had a great scoring record in what was kind of a poor team at the time in the late nineties season. He's not doing anything at the moment, is he, Cousins? No, I mean he'll probably be linked with uh Limerick and
1: Yeah, he, stuff, he's, yeah. the applicant, I'd say his C V is is in the post. Uh the tickets are on sale for ten Euro each to win a trip to see the two or to see the Rovers away game in Europe this season. Uh maybe the club could uh they might need the, the game broadcasted or recorded, you know, hint, hint. Hashtag Tales from the East End on tour. <laughs> we'll just leave that one which is lads.
3: <laughs> yeah, the rugby League draw is the 19th of June, so put that in your diary.
1: Yeah, so get that in. We're not sure if it's home or away first, but uh, we will be awaiting the draw. We got our first fan email complimenting us on the show. Thanks to Niall Foley from Edinburgh. He was a uh, some really kind words, so we do we do like a bit of a ego massage every so often here.
3: Yeah, I was just thinking recently. Uh, where's the love for our email?
1: Yeah, we've we've gotten two emails. It's a record. Yeah. <laughs> our, our record is two emails. But I mean, I emails mean. are kind of dead and buried, aren't they? They're just used for work and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, we've gotten loads of great feedback on social media, which we're really grateful for. But yeah, just no love for the email.
1: No, it's uh, it's it's dying to death, isn't it?
3: just go and throw it out there actually Tales from the East End at gmail.com
1: get your thoughts into us guys could be random garbage just get it into us um, I just want to say congratulations to Dundalk for winning three in a row it was a great achievement but uh some records just aren't meant to be broken <laughs>